Hello everyone, it's the American Soccer Now in 10 or 15 minutes podcast. Thought we'd discontinue this show, but we didn't. I'm John Arnold, and in New York, it's Noah Davis. What's up, Noah? Not much, John. How are you doing? I'm good. You really seem... enthusiastic this morning. Ready to go. What? Well, right. I, I didn't have a good thing to say. I, I, yes. I, just, I just throw it. That's apparent. And now, hopefully with something better, it's Blake Thompson. What's your big intro, Blake? I'm just really happy to be here. Re- really happy the show's back going again, John. Went with gratitude while Noah angrily shuffled his breakfast wrapper. No worries. Crunching, we'll move on crunching to, my bag. We'll move on to the category that you've never listened to the show before and are still listening by some horrible decision that you've made in your life. The show generally has three categories. Those categories are real prompts. The prompts are debated by our panelists. We move on and we get all wrapped up in about 10 or 15 minutes because we know that you want to go wrinkle your breakfast bag or be glad to be somewhere, or do whatever you do on the weekends, uh, we get it, and we want to get you to that as soon as possible. With that in mind, let's move to the categories. It's leaves changing, an actually hot latte, and baseball being over. Uh, these are three things that I like about fall. Three things that I like about fall. Jeez, John. That's uh, insensitive to the baseball fans among us. And I was going to start with Blake, but let's go straight to Noah. Noah, what's it going to be? Oh, man, baseball. Baseball's over. Baseball being Baseball's over. not over, guys. It's it is in the over. fall. It's a fall classic, and then it's over. Fair enough. Yeah. It's interminable. The Cubs and the Dodgers are going to play 22 games. Noah, thank goodness. This okay sport for old people, Blake, is almost finally over. But MLS playoffs are approaching quickly this weekend. We'll see the Supporters' Shield decided. FC Dallas is just a result to get the trophy, but could falter and have the prize lifted by the Colorado Rapids. Who do you like in the Supporters' Shield race, and how much of this weekend will decide the momentum going into the MLS playoffs? Um, I think, take the, take the second part first. I mean, I think this weekend decides a lot of the momentum. I mean, I think we've seen in MLS in the past, the team that gets hot late, uh, you know, frequently does well. And the Supporters' Shield, uh, it's a year-long thing, obviously. Uh, that's the whole point. And... Unlike baseball, you know, in soccer, sometimes the full season matters. Uh, we can have that discussion later. But uh, I don't know. I hope the Rapids win. Uh, I, I like that FC Dallas team. I think, you know, they are sort of the model for uh, MLS in terms of youth development and things like that. There's a lot to like there. But I don't know. I, I, think, they call, I think the Rapids winning it, uh, you know, going from being just horrendous last year to – Top of the top of the league would be it would be a, a good story and kind of okay. fun. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm MLS, I think I probably want FC Dallas to win. Although I mean, neither of them are sort of no. particularly large markets. No. Um, so I think if you if you're MLS, you're hoping that the New York teams do well and the Galaxy do well and, and the big markets. Um, but yeah, I, I think from a sort of season perspective, it'd be fun to see the Rapids get there. And a U.S. national team note, you know, Jermaine Jones apparently coming back. Through the Rapids in the playoffs, he probably won't be fit enough for any November calls or anything. But uh, Blake, baseball player, baseball fan, uh, Blake, what's your take on the uh, baseball season finally coming over and MLS playoffs uh, getting going? Well, obviously, I'm devastated by the baseball season ending, um, despite your your jab about it being no, an old people's sport. It'll happen again next year, right? <laughs> so this is true. But um, John... John, I want to throw out uh, just a big piece of congratulations to you. I don't know if there are any curses in place in Dallas, but ever since you started covering the team, they've uh, they've been a Shield favorite. So so props to you for that. Anyway, I'm sure I really like FC Dallas's chances. I, I don't think the Galaxy are, are going to play a super strong team. I think they're no. kind of in, in their t- 
occasional free fall towards the end of the season. Um, I like Dallas's chances. I'm, I kind of have to disagree with Noah. I don't think the Rapids winning would, would be good. I mean, it's, the, the turnaround story is cool, but I mean, they've done it on the back of a bunch of kind of miserable 1-0 wins. I don't really think that's what MLS wants to be about. They're kind of like the West Brom, Tony Pulis team of the league. I don't think anyone wants to see them win the Shield, except for Noah, apparently. But um, anyway. Of, I mean, there's a Colorado Rapids fans as well who are probably like, yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, but Tim, Tim Howard probably wants to win. This is true. Brian, yeah, the Colorado Rapids there. probably want to win it. Point taken, though, Blake, is that they're not they're not the most fun team to watch in the league, I don't think. I saw Paolo Mastroeni talk about, you know, that's not the point of the game necessarily. We, we just want to win and get results, and, and I think that's fine. And, you know, but it is a contrast, I think, to what you hear from Oscar Pereja and FC Dallas, where he says, we have a system. And look, they're not the, you know, they're not some swashbuckling, we don't play defense team. You know, they have a system, they counterattack. Uh, I think it'd be nice if they could win the Sporters Shield, not only because I think they've had a really good season overall, but the fact that they lost Mauro Diaz, the playmaker, out to a torn Achilles, he's going to be out for, I think, eight months is probably what the outlook is. I don't know if they can win MLS Cup now, and I think they've been a great team. I think it would be a good story if they get rewarded with a second trophy after lifting that U.S. Open Cup. And then if they don't win MLS Cup, I think there's a little bit of consolation there maybe for a team that, that is sort of trying to do things the right way, whatever their motives, uh, spending a lot of money on youth and not bringing in a big designated player, not bringing in these big names. So sort of like Colorado has, although their model has also been sort of the same for a long time. Uh, let's move on quickly, guys. Uh, Blake, it, your, your now choices are leaves actually, uh, or leaves changing colors and an actually hot latte. I'll take the actually hot latte. Yeah, you know, I'm so used to getting an iced latte, guys, because uh, there's, there's no option living in Texas. Now the weather's changing. We can actually have a nice hot latte. And now we can also actually turn our attention to the next U.S. men's national team game and not pretend that anything else matters. It's the U.S. versus Mexico in Columbus. We'll be talking about this game more as it approaches for sure. But Blake, what's your initial outlook on Columbus? And we didn't really get a chance to talk about those friendlies. What did we learn from them that we will see applied to this game against El 3 I don't think we learned much from the friendlies, except that maybe there's a place for Julian Green off the bench if we need a goal late. I mean, I think that has to be the biggest development. I mean, there's a he, he's a kid with undeniable talent. He kind of disappeared from the map. I mean, it felt like he scored that volley against Belgium in the World Cup, and then we didn't see him for, for almost literally two years, except for the kind of the friendly hat trick for Bayern. So I think he's an option. Um, I, I don't think you want to start the game against them, especially even being at home. I, there will be probably maybe even long periods of the game where we're on the back foot. I don't think you want to trust him with major wing defending, but I, th- I think that's a big takeaway. Other than that, I mean, the Cuba game was a brutal field. The New Zealand game was a pretty patchwork lineup. <laughs> I think we learned that we probably won't see DeAndre Yedlin on the wing in a 4-3-3 um, from that game. But um, I- I'm excited. I-, I think the friendlies kind of left a weird taste in my mouth because the qualifiers went really well, kind of the previous international round. But I don't think we learned a ton, to be honest. But I, I'm weirdly optimistic for the first time in a while as, as a USA fan. No, how are you feeling? Yeah, I think the Julian Green point is, is a good one. Um, I think, you know, I've been pretty critical of him in, in the show in the past. Uh, and I, I think it's great to see him kind of go through this period of disappearing and struggling both on the field and seems like kind of off the field of what he wanted to do. Um, and I, I still don't think that being a Byron on the first team is the best thing for him developmentally this year. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked about that in the past too, but you know, to see, I, I think in the past we've seen guys like green who have a little bit of success early and then it kind of goes to their head or whatever. And then they struggle and they disappear. And I think to see him, you know, fight through that really like since the world cup, pretty much he's kind of been 
out, out, you know, his club situation has been, I don't know, bad, t- terrible, basically. Yeah. Um, and he's really struggling. And to see him, you know, finally fight through it, I, I think is great. Uh, I agree with Blake. I don't think I would start him, but to see him, you know, come through that as, as a better player, uh, is great. I don't think we learned a lot from the, well, uh, the, friendlies either um which is fine i don't think there's that much that you can learn in that game um i don't think that the u.s mexico game is all that important and i know that's a really um, a hot take but look i mean the u.s you know it'd be great if they get a win but they don't need those three points they need to get 16 points in the the hex that'll get you through that's gotten you through in every of the last games i mean if you look at the games but you know, I, I think the the game away against Mexico, you're not going to win that, and then the game against Costa Rica away is probably more difficult. But other than that, I mean that that U.S. Mexico game at home for the U.S. is the third most most difficult game they're going to play. I think it, I mean it'd be great to start off on the right foot, obviously, but I, everyone's we're going to go into this game and everyone's going to be talking about getting points and stuff, and I just don't think it matters all that much. Well, I mean, I, I think it does from the perspective of you know you're kind of taking a long term approach, which maybe is the right one, but I think. If you look, you have only five home hex matches, and you know Costa Rica is a much better team than even last time they played. Even in 2013, Panama is a better team. The U.S. has never been exactly passing tests against Honduras with flying colors. So I don't know. I think that that it it does matter in the sense that you do need to start picking up those 15, 16 points or whatever as soon as you can because. I don't know. I think a lot could go wrong. So I'm going to disagree with you there. One thing no one can disagree with is the time to move on the last category. Leaves changing. Uh, Guys, it seems like we're in a different season of life for Darlington Nagby, who declined a U.S. national team call. Reports from Grant Wall this week said that it wasn't just because of wanting to spend time with his family, but he's upset with his playing time. Noah, I know you're uh, not too thrilled about this. What's your take on the Nagby situation? We'll be seeing him back in the Stars and Stripes anytime soon. No, I think it's fine. I'm not. I think that everyone is really upset about this. If I was Nagby, I could totally understand about being, you know, a little pissed off about my playing time and whatever. But also, if he doesn't want to play for the U.S., that's fine. Like, I think being in the international duty, everyone has this. The fans like they think it's this thing that people have to do and they should want to do it. But I, like the truth is, I think playing internationally is a pain, and it's you know, it doesn't it. It's it's hard. It's difficult. It's an extra thing you have to do. I think if a guy like Nagby, you know, doesn't want to do it, or it, like just let him do, let him do what he wants. He can make his own decision. Yeah, I strongly agree with Noah. I I, I don't really understand the hoopla, to be honest. I mean, it's a guy who hasn't been getting much time, and and probably even objectively, it's not like he's being unreasonable. Should probably have played more than he has so far. We know Klinsman rubs people the wrong way. It's not like he's the first player to ever have a problem. Um, with Klinsman and if he's a a guy in his mid-20s with a young family who wants to spend a little more time with him and is sick of flying to random places around the world just to kind of listen to a coach he doesn't respect all that much and not play I I really don't have too much of a problem with it one thing I've seen is a lot of people saying oh he'll never play for the U.S. again I don't think he'll ever play for Klinsman again but I'd also be surprised if Klinsman's still managing the team after the 2018 World Cup he still will have plenty of good soccer in him um when once the World Cup is over in Russia, so I don't think we need to put to bed his international career. But given how Klinsman, has, he just seems to kind of blacklist guys, whether it's Vailhaber and 
um, Donovan there for a while. Like yeah. it, it's hard to see him getting back into Klinsman's plans, um, especially how, with how big he is on commitment. And I mean, I, I don't even have a problem with Klinsman's stance on that. Like, yeah. I, 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 I think gonna both, say. both of them are fine. That's like, what I was going to say. This happens everywhere. I think this is just another sign of the United States continuing to mature as a soccer nation. You know, you look at, at Mexico, they always have some, you know, Carlos Vela still, again, right now, is this sort of once-away player. You know, Osorio has just now given the first call to Giovanni Dos Santos. His brother still hasn't played uh, under under the new manager. You know, go into South America, and, and you can find all sorts of managers who have, you know, beefs. Even Wayne Rooney, you know, with, with the England side, you know, that's something that I think is going to be, you know, one of these kind of situations to watch, will he, won't he, that kind of thing. It happens everywhere, and, and I think... It's one of the first times that we've experienced this with like a soccer media and with like soccer Twitter or whatever. And so I think everyone kind of freaks out. But this is going to happen. It's going to happen. And I think, like you said, Blake, both men are within their rights. And, and Noah, you're right. Donington Nagby doesn't want to play for the U.S. under whoever. That's his right. And he can continue being a professional soccer player who is of good caliber. And if Klinsman doesn't want to call in Nagby because he said no to these call-ups, that's his right. And, and until it truly affects the national team, I don't think people will be that upset about it. And Quite frankly, while I think that Nagby is right, that he should have gotten more minutes, and, and no one wants to fly to Honduras or Cuba or wherever and sit on the bench and not play the entire time. But, you know, there's only so many minutes to go around. Klinsman didn't want to give him those minutes. I think Nagby has a fair beef that he should have gotten more minutes if that's why he didn't come in. But, you know, that's what happens. Well, I think, I think you have to take it on an individual basis, too. I mean, the story about Nagby has always been that he's this quiet, shy, kind of reluctant guy, you know? And so I think if you if you think about that and you think about, like... And a guy know, who waited he, years to get his citizenship, you know? Like, it's not like he doesn't like America or doesn't, you know? He could have right. played for Liberia, which would have been a way bigger hassle than playing for the U.S., but, you know, he went with a country that, that I think gave him a lot of opportunity. I mean, he grew up in Ohio, went to Akron and everything, and the story is well-known, so... I don't know. I think uh, I'm cool with it. You guys Everyone cool with the podcast? Should ever, everyone relax. Go to sleep. Don't go to... I mean, maybe. If the podcast is over now, so if you go to sleep, it's fine. Blake, Noah, thanks for joining. Listener, thank you so much. Again, uh, I could lie to you and tell you we're going to be consistent with every week. We'll try. We'll do our best to see what we can. But thanks for listening to the American Soccer Now in 10 or 15 minutes podcast. Hope you join us again soon. Good stuff, guys. Great.